And Joseph says, if you don't close that bar, you'll go blind. Special notes, he is now blind. Oh! <laughs> but this is a first edition copy of the Book of Mormon that belonged to Hiram Smith. And this book disappears for the next 150 years. What bigger wrath is there than death? do things differently. Today I'm going to tell you two stories that all revolve around one book. Hiram Smith's personal copy of the first edition of the Book of Mormon. Now, the backstory of this book is intriguing in and of itself. To make a long story short, a family of emancipated slaves held the book sacred like a family Bible for 150 years while the rest of the world thought the book had gone missing. Fortunately, through his collection and preservation efforts, Reed Moon was able to acquire it for his bookstore and show it to us. And as we looked upon it and we read it and we learned about it, we discovered a very little known fulfilled prophecy of Joseph Smith's. Now, I don't want to spoil it for you here. I don't want to give it away, but I can tell you, you better not mess with Joseph Smith or you might just go blind. Don't mess with Joseph Smith or you'll go blind and all of his prophecies will come true. Read Mungo. <laughs> all right, so we've been chatting and I've told a couple stories and they both tie into Joseph Smith and about prophecies he made about certain people if they did certain events. First of all, we go back to this book. It's in a protective case, but this is a first edition copy of the Book of Mormon that belonged to Hiram Smith. And this book... Yeah, how do you know it's his, by the way? How do we know it's his? It says Hiram Smith's book. <laughs> okay, wow. It says Hiram Smith's book. But then below it, it shows a change of ownership. Yeah, it looks like there's a lot more than just Hiram's. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, then then this book in 1832 goes to Reynolds Cahoon. Reynolds Cahoon, he's in the Doctrine and Covenants. Hiram and Joseph are called to be counselors to Newell K. Whitney. Okay. The very day that happens, Reynolds says, Hiram, I need a copy of the Book of Mormon. And so this transfers from Hiram to Reynolds Cahoon. Okay. Reynolds Cahoon then gives this book to his son, Pulaski Cahoon. Now, Reynolds Cahoon had seven sons. Okay. They all had unusual names. And that's when he asked Joseph, can you name my seventh son? And he goes, what are the names? Pulaski, et cetera. He goes, I got you one. Names the seventh son, Mahan Raymore Hankamer. Wow. Okay. 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 That's the, that's, that's this guy. That's this guy. Okay. Pulaski was a bit of a rebel. He opens a bar in Nauvoo. Joseph doesn't like it. Kicks him out of town, basically. Says, you can't have it here. It's like an old school saloon, like Tombstone yeah. style. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, he says, you can't have it here. Uh-huh. So, he opens it up outside city limits. And Joseph says, if you don't close that bar, you'll go blind. Really? Yeah. Well, within a year, Joseph Smith is dead. Okay. Now... 1846, the saints leave Nauvoo. 
Pulaski goes, yeah, I'm not going with you guys. And he goes back to Missouri. Okay. And he takes Hiram Smith's copy of the Book of Mormon with him to Missouri. And this book disappears for the next 150 years. Okay. And the question is, well, where did it go? Yeah. Well, it surfaced in Chicago in 2004. Okay. And the person who had it wrote the history of where it had been. Now, for a book like this, the provenance or the background is extremely important. Yeah. And here is an entire binder full of things showing, telling the entire history. First of all, here is a photocopy of Hiram Smith's journal. Okay. Under this date, Reynolds Cahoon to owe me for the Book of Mormon $1.25. He says, uh, Reynolds owes me a buck twenty-five for this book. Okay. It's right there. So that's one thing. It shows a change of ownership. Okay. Nice thing about these censuses coming out is you can track down people where they're living. And so we track Pulaski Cahoon to Macon, Georgia, not Macon, Georgia, Macon, Missouri in 1860. So okay. this is 15 years, at, 14 years after the Saints leave, right? Yeah. Here he is. It shows P.S. Cahoon, merchant. Okay. Special notes. He is now blind. Oh! <laughs> oh, man. Oh, snap! That's... <laughs> Get in close. You got to see that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, dude. dude. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't believe it. That's so crazy. That's proof positive. So, so Joseph Smith tells him, <laughs> shut down your bar or you're going to go blind. And in the next census... He's the only dude on that entire sheet that's marked blind. <laughs> oh my god! That's pretty intense. Wait, that's, hold that's on. Really Everybody's cool. always talking about how oh Joseph Smith's prophecy of the Civil War came true, and it was kind of a prophecy, like eighty percent prophecy, right? But straight up saying shut down your bar or you go blind, and then showing up as blind—that is more hardcore. Then the Civil War well, and the Doctrine and Covenants when the Constitution hangs by a thread. To, to save that one, remember, DNC 87 is not a prophecy of the Civil War. It's a prophecy of wars leading up to the Second Coming. And of the uh, wars listed, okay. one is the Civil War. We should go over that in depth. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. Okay, Okay, but still, this is but, hardcore. But, yeah. But now I have another book that ties into another prophecy, but we shouldn't leave this book yet just because it has a killer story. Yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 keep going. This two-page affidavit tells where the book has been. This is to certify that my family has possessed all my life a fine copy of the Book of Mormon dated Palmyra 1830 and inscribed Hiram Smith's book. So it's... Cool, cool, okay. cool. The Book of Mormon has been a part of my family for at least four generations. I inherited it through my great-great-grandparents. They were originally slaves in Missouri. Wow. Is that what? So it's changed hands again. Well, it goes on to say, family tradition is we received this book from the Cahoons in the 1860s after the Emancipation Proclamation. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that comes out, Pulaski has slaves. But 
family tradition is these people treated our family very well, more like tenants than slaves, and that my ancestors were sophisticated and worked in their homekeeping house. And when they moved north, this family gave them the Book of Mormon, as well as china, crystal, and linens, and taught them to treasure the Book of Mormon as their own family Bible. And this Bible leaves Missouri and goes to Chicago for the next 150 years with recently released slaves and their descendants. And they kept it safe for 150 years. Wow. Oh, so Hiram Smith's personal copy of the Book of Mormon that is authenticated by his own personal journal articles. Well, and the inscriptions on the inside. And the inscriptions inside was given through Reynolds, Cahoon, Reynolds Cahoon's child, Polanski Cahoon, who ended up kind of going the inactive route back out through Missouri and then giving it to slaves that he had owned that were emancipated, yeah. who kind of are like that tribe outside of the vineyard, for lack of a better term, with the... The, the, the Jacob allegory of the olive tree going on, right? So they keep it for the next 150 years until it resurfaces in 2004 with all of the attached family lore. Well, and here it is. And why does it surface? Much of my family, I do not, family history, I do not know. And there is no one to ask. As my mother was an only child, she died in 1968. I too am an only child. My mother was 39 years old when I was born and I have no children. When I die, the family comes to an end. The Book of Mormon was always a prized possession to the generations of owners in my family. It was a sincere gift given by the Cahoons to wish them safety, prosperity, and freedom as they moved north onto their new lives. I really wish I could meet all of them, or at least more, more, no more family history, but I do not. Considering the end of the lineage, as the last survivor, I decided to return the book closer to where it started and to someone who will love, appreciate it, and cherish it much as my family did. But she also... Whoa. Oh, I'm hard. Like, oh. Yeah. So they kept this safe. This is a letter written by her, the, the last owner in 1960, when she goes to the Library of Congress and says, do you have a first edition Book of Mormon? And because she was black, they said, you want to see a what? And they in, in this letter, she says, there's four people standing around. What do you want? And she, and she talks about how she wanted to know if they really had a first edition and that when it was Hiram's copy, they said it's... They really knew... In, by 1960, that they had an important book. And wow. so lots of history. But for me, the most compelling thing about the whole thing, uh -huh. she says, I have no children. I have nobody. I would like my prized possessions to stay with this copy of the Book of Mormon. Really? What did she want to stay? She wanted her family photographs to stay oh. with the book. Dude. These are the early owners of this book. No way. Whoa. Now, even though we're talking about prophecy, we can't pass up that story. I no. Mean, yeah, can, can I for see sure. Those? Oh, my gosh. Here, check yeah. that out. Nottingham, Macon City. And this is just... This is the, the Bradshaw family. These are the people who had it safe. The yeah. Bradshaw family. Wow. Mally Bonner? Where are you at, bro? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, like, seriously. Oh, my goodness gracious. I know this is a podcast. So they weren't members of the church, they but they were joined. like... 
but they knew they had an important book and kept it safe for 150 years. He said they all cherished it. So they cherished Well, it, it is probably because it sounds like this Pulaski guy, even though he kind of defied Joseph Smith, apparently he was very kind to Well, and he wanted them he liked them he wanted them to get a, a good start. He gave them linen, china, crystal, and the Book of Mormon for their family Bible. Oh, that's so beautiful. And it was because he was kind to them that they regarded it as sacred and their family worked out. And it wasn't until basically their lineage ends because they have two consecutive generations of only children that they say, hey, we feel the noble thing is to kind of put it closer to where it came from. Oh, th there is hope for humanity. This is, this is a very beautiful story. Yeah, what awesome oh. people. I think Hiram... Would There's think, more? Yeah, but that's good enough for now. Oh. I think Hiram would be kind of pleased. Okay. Yeah. My, my book was kept safe. Mm -hmm. I Poor Polotsky ended up going blind, but then he ended up saving Hiram's Book of Mormon, man. Yeah. Give him his sight back. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> it's like, hopefully he's not blind up in heaven, right? <laughs> no, no. Okay, so one more. One more book. Books, if you know the full story, such history is contained in books. Yeah. And if, if you go back to the 1800s or even in the entirety of American history, there have been a lot of famous political debates, but Lincoln Douglas. I recognize this right here. It... Wait, what do you recognize? I'm not sure. I don't know why I recognize. That's not the one that Elder Holland held in general. No, no, okay. Oh, okay. no, 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 no. No, this is actually a book that belonged to Stephen A. Douglas of the Lincoln Douglas debates. Oh. This is oh, actually wow. the book he used to prepare himself for the Lincoln-Douglas debate because all of his notes are Lincoln this, Lincoln that. Lincoln voted this way. Lincoln did this. Oh, this, interesting. This is Stephen A. Douglas doing his background check on the guy he's debating. Is that his little needle? Yeah. Stuck through no the page? Notes, so he's using a needle to put that. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And, and all of these, all of those little, uh -huh. that is him marking Lincoln. Now... But did you know that Stephen A. Douglas knew Joseph Smith? Stephen A. Douglas presided over multiple Joseph Smith trials and really? every time ruled in his favor. Huh. And then I believe. Was, no, okay, so Stephen A. Douglas, he when was you a, say stood over, was he the judge or was he, he just was a judge. witness? He was he the was, judge. Stephen okay. Stephen A. Douglas was a judge in Illinois and he presided over the trial, many trials of Joseph Smith. And every time it ruled in Joe's, because he ruled on points of law. Yeah. And so I believe it's May 1843. Who sits down to dinner at Carthage? Stephen A. Douglas, Joseph Smith, William Clayton, and Orson Hyde, and then Sheriff Beckenstock. Those five people sit down and they have a conversation, and you've got Orson Hyde and William Clayton recording what they're saying. And Joseph Smith, at that dinner, thanked Stephen A. Douglas for ruling on points of law and being very yeah. fair. And he said, and you'll continue to have a chance to defend the Latter-day Saints. And then he prophesies. He says, and one day, and this is 1843. He goes, okay. one day you will aspire. He's, he's a frontier judge. Yeah. He says, one day you will aspire to the highest office in the land. He says, you're going to run for president, basically. What is the highest office in the land? President. He goes, you're going to run for president. Of the Church of the United States. <laughs> but then he said, 
if you turn your backs on the Latter-day Saints, you will feel the wrath of Almighty God come down upon you like you have never seen. And you will remember that I said it here tonight. Wow. But Joseph is killed a year later. Flash forward to 1857, Utah War, Utah's in the news, Lincoln-Douglas debates, question comes up, what are we going to do about the Mormons? Yeah. Lincoln. I plowed many a field. And you know, I found out that sometimes when you come to a stump, it's easier just to go around. That was his answer. Just leave it. Okay. I like this Lincoln guy. Go Lincoln. (laughs) Stephen A. Douglas, all five foot four. Stephen A. Douglas. He was a short boy. He was known as the mighty giant. Yeah, he was five foot four. So, I mean, Lincoln had a foot on him. Right, right. Wow, okay. He goes, the Mormons are a cancer that needs to be rooted out like you root out a stump. And then that makes it back to Utah. And it's like, wait a second, because when they sat down, that was published. I mean, that was already known, Joseph Smith's, you know, prophecy. Yeah. Turn your back on the Latter-day Saints and you'll feel the wrath of Almighty God come down upon you. Yeah. So a lot of people said, okay, doesn't matter what he do. He's going down. Well, a few years later, there's the election and by he is supposed to win. There is no doubt that he's going to win. Many people thought Stephen A. Douglas won the uh, debates. It was a series of debates. Out of nowhere, lanky congressman from Illinois wins every state except one and wins the election. And this was an emotional and devastating blow to Stephen A. Douglas. Yeah. And those around him said that his health began to deteriorate and it kept going down. He never got better. And within six months, he's dead after the election. Whoa. So the obvious connection that most people would make of this story, this lore, is that him famously and very publicly in the debates, turning his back on the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the people that he previously defended, triggered the other half of Joseph Smith's prophecy hmm. that says you, you will appeal, you'll, you know, you'll get the wrath of all of you'll get the wrath and you think that was the wrath and it just became his demise. What bigger wrath is there than death? But, oh, yeah. Jeez. And we have all those notes right here in front of us in his handwriting from the prep notes of the Lincoln-Douglas debates. Wow. All right. That's so cool. So do you think if Stephen A. Douglas hadn't turned his back on the Saints? Then there may have never been an Abraham Lincoln. Yeah? Whoa. Oh, shoot. That's well, intense. Well, there was Abraham Lincoln, but no president. And if he's no president, then he's... He's not the person to preside over the Civil War and do everything that he did. All right. Any last words, dudes? This this has been Night Mormons. See you guys in the next program.